Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. At this point, most shows are winding down. Roy is just getting started. The Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. The uh, World Health Organization and England's chief medical officer are on the record that the world may be facing the end of healthcare as we know it and a post-antibiotic apocalypse. The war against the antibiotic-resistant superbugs is being fought by, among others, Sean Brady, who's a wild child chemist, as I understand it, and financially backed by Bill and Melinda Gates. I read a fascinating uh, article in Wired magazine, and it's the uh, cover story of the current edition. And uh, the headline is "The Battle Against Global Healthcare." Uh, no, no. Let me get that. Let me get that. The, the title is "How Dirt Could Save Humanity from an Infectious Apocalypse." How dirt could save humanity from an infectious apocalypse. And the writer, the reporter, is Peter. Andre Smith. He's a reporter based in New York. And Peter, thank you very much for coming on the program. And uh, you headed out of the park with that uh, with that article. It is absolutely compelling. And it, uh, it lets us know just how much trouble and danger we are in as far as antibiotics and superbugs are concerned. And that there are people out there who may be somewhat eccentric, but who are doing tremendous work to overcome that and then Bill and Melinda Gates get involved, and the story becomes just one that you can't put down. I, I, I read it three times. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. So how bad, let's start with this, how bad is the situation as far as antibiotics' inability to keep evolving superbugs under control as we have for the last half century plus? We've heard the dire warnings from the English public health boss and the World Health Organization. How bad do you see it as being? Uh, right now, it's not that bad, and I guess that's part of the problem is that people don't think about it on a daily sort of basis. So it's sort of like this slow brewing crisis that if we don't do anything, it's going to become a real problem. But it's not like somebody pushes a button and uh, you know a bomb is dropped. It's it's more of like a a slow brewing crisis that if we don't do anything now, is going to be you know a real. Uh, devastating and lethal problem in the future. Now, one of the numbers that I've seen is some 10 million people will die because of this if it's not halted. Some 10 million people will die over the next 12 to 15 years uh, because of the superbugs um, overcoming antibiotics. Yeah, I mean, those are the estimates I've seen. And, um, you know, some people say those are inflated and other people say that those are, you know, that's really what's going to happen if if we can't find new drugs and and also take care of better better care of the ones we do have. Mm-hmm. Now, now, 
there have been many efforts, and there are many efforts underway to find or create drugs capable of subduing these so-called superbugs, which have morphed from bacteria immune to attack uh, by antibiotics. And you found uh, chemist Sean Brady, who immediately seems unconventional, to say the least. So who is Sean Brady, and how is he addressing the fight against superbugs? Yeah, Sean Brady, uh, he's a, a, a fairly young chemist who works at the Rockefeller University here in uh, New York City. And uh, he was part of a, a group that um, has pioneered the use of metagenomic sequencing, which is basically looking at DNA in any environmental sample. And he is essentially taking that DNA out of soil and then transferring it to a bacteria that can be grown in the lab and then sort of producing new chemistry from those the, that DNA that he's extracted from uh, soil. So it's sort of, I, I've heard it described as sort of like a sci-fi approach. I mean, traditionally, most of the antibiotics we have uh, came from dirt. So it's not that he's looking in a, a new or exceptional place. It's just that the technology he's using is really represents like a hard break from the past. And it really is a whole a whole new way of doing things. And I think, uh, you know, so a lot of people thought this was going to be very easy early on to take take DNA out of bugs that live in the soil and sort of like just give them to things that they can grow in the lab. But it, it has proven really difficult. And Sean Brady is like the one or one of the, the few people that has sort of persevered the longest and has worked the hardest to sort of make this a reality. You uh, introduce him to us as somebody who's running around Central Park with a shovel and some <laughs> some plastic bags, and he's putting dirt yeah. in the plastic bags, and, and off he goes to analyze what he's got. <laughs> right. In, in, in truth, uh, Sean Brady doesn't leave his lab all that often, and... Um, you know, this was sort of a, a, a way for him to sort of demonstrate, like, just just how sort of conventional the soils are. I mean, you can basically go anywhere. You can look in the flower pot in your office, and, you know, chances are you're going to find some some new chemistry that has not previously been identified. And and if you know what you're doing, as, as he certainly does, then you can produce all this wonderful chemistry that, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll treat disease in the future. So the new strains of antibiotics capable of subduing the superbugs are literally under our feet, and now the challenge is transferring them into a syringe or pill form, and then you also, of course, have to prove their effectiveness. So we're not talking about something that's going to take just a, a year or two. There's a whole, there's a lengthy multi-year, maybe even longer than a decade, process of from the, the soil to the syringe. Certainly, I mean, I think I think one of the one of the sort of recognitions that everybody's had is that the science isn't sort of the hard part. I mean, the science is difficult. The science is sort of it's 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 totally possible to find new drugs. Mm -hmm. The hard part is really like showing that they work in in animal models first, and then in humans, and that that can, as you were saying, it can take up to ten years, and it and it costs a lot of money to do so. And uh, uh, historically, the, the rates of failure have been uh, rather high. So a lot of pharmaceutical firms aren't sort of interested in taking on the risk of developing a drug that is, is, has a, a fairly high chance of, of failing before it ever reaches the clinic. So along comes the world's wealthiest man, Bill Gates. <laughs> 
Bill Gates and Melinda Gates and the and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They enter the picture. How did that happen? Um, so uh, some somebody that works for for the foundation uh, had sort of heard about Sean Brady's work and gave him a call and said asked him if he could find um, some some drugs that were similar that could treat to, to similar to drugs that already exist that could treat TB. And uh, he he showed that he could um, he had some possibilities like fairly quickly. So uh, they they set up a meeting in New York and uh, with Bill Gates and I guess the two of them hit it off. Um, and uh, you know within within a couple of months he had uh, founded a new company uh, called Lodo Therapeutics and and they're really just trying to expedite the process of uh, finding antibiotics and then commercializing them. So Bill Gates wrote the check for the uh, uh, for the new company. I mean, he he was among the the, the funders of the new company. There were other yeah. um, there there was a this uh, accelerator, which is a, a startup incubator uh, that also contributed funding, and some of that that money comes from uh, pharmaceutical firms. So uh, it, it wasn't just Bill Gates's uh, pet project, but um, he was among the the funders. Uh, uh, of this project, Peter. When yeah. when you talk to Sean, when you talk to Sean Brady, and he's not talking scientifically, just talking in terms that I could understand. Uh, what does he say about the danger that we're facing, and what does he say about his project, and what does he say about where we are in the process now that we've uh, the World Health Organization and others, like the head of the uh, the England's chief medical officer. A warning of a post-antibiotic apocalypse. Where does he say we are in the process of going from that danger to being able to again say we have a syringe full of stuff that is going to control what we were afraid might not be controlled? What does he? How does he describe where we are? Yeah, I think that I think that I mean we've had this. I've had a conversation with Sean Brady about this, and I think that when people talk about antibiotics, it's it's very much a doom and gloom uh, scenario. It seems you know very. T- very, um, you know, potentially devastating to, to sort of life as we know it. But I think Sean Brady is sort of an optimist, and he sees the bright side, and uh, he's obviously persevered, uh, you know, for a very long time doing this thing that I think a lot of people didn't even think was possible. So I think he, he's very much an optimist, and he very much believes that uh, it's possible to find new drugs and also possible to, you know, turn them into drugs that you or I could could uh, be using in the next 10 to 20 years. So um, I think one of the, one of the interesting things is that, you know, this isn't, uh, uh, antibiotics doesn't necessarily get people's heart pumping quite the way that uh, new cancer drugs do, or, uh, you know, there, are, there is a lot more funding for immunotherapies, which can treat cancer. So I think that he, he, he wants to find a new way to like inject some enthusiasm into this search. And, um, you know, he, he has, opened it up so that um, people can donate soil to his lab. And I think he really wants to, like, excite people from, like, school children and teachers and, and people that are chemists like him and, and just sort of, like, get some new enthusiasm into this, inject some new enthusiasm into this field. Yeah, well, it's necessary. And I'm looking at a photograph that's uh, included with your article, and it looks like it's, it actually looks like it's a, a major chicken coop but what it is is uh, looks like a, a repository for thousands of bags of dirt, 
and uh, there's yeah. a there's a guy in lab sort of lab clothing walking through it all, and uh, and 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 assessing what he's got. Hold on, Peter. We're going to come back and continue with you. I just want to read you a little bit from um, the Independent newspaper in the UK, and this was from um, October of last year, twelfth of October. England's chief medical officer has warned of a post-antibiotic apocalypse as she issued a call to action urging global leaders to address the growing threat of antibiotic resistance. Professor Dame Sally Davies said that if antibiotics lose their effectiveness, it will spell, quote, the end of modern medicine, end quote. Without the drugs used to fight infections, common medical interventions such as cesarean sections, cancer treatments, and hip replacements would become incredibly risky, she said. We're really facing, if we don't take action now, a dreadful post-antibiotic apocalypse. I don't want to say to my children that I didn't do my best to protect them and their children. And health experts have previously warned that resistance to antimicrobial drugs could cause a bigger threat to mankind than cancer. If no action is taken, it's been estimated that drug-resistant infections will kill 10 million people a year by 2050. 10 million people a year. The World Health Organization is issuing similar uh, concerns. When we come back, we'll talk more with Peter Andre Smith. He wrote the cover story for Wired magazine, How Dirt Could Save Humanity from an Infectious Apocalypse. Don't go away. He weighs both sides of the story and chooses what's right over what's wrong. More Roy Green on the Chorus Radio Network. Cover story in Wired magazine is how dirt could save humanity from an infectious apocalypse. And uh, Peter Andre Smith is the writer. He's a reporter in New York City, joining us on the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. I'm going to come back to uh, something about um, uh, Mr. Brady, Sean Brady, the chemist, Peter. Does he have a schedule of any kind? I asked you earlier where he is in the process from dirt to syringe. But does he have a schedule of any kind uh, where what you know that he wants to keep in order to be able to produce an antibiotic that is able to defeat superbugs for a specific uh, bacterial illness like tuberculosis? Yeah, I mean he has a number of uh, candidate drugs, drugs that seem likely to treat uh, infections at least in the lab, and I know that he has just begun some. Uh, animal experiments. One of them uh, treats MRSA, which is a resistant form of uh, staph infections. Um, so, I mean, I, again, I think he's sort of in, I, I, one of his uh, a colleagues sort of described him as, as being impatient. And I think that uh, that's a, a fair characterization. But again, it's really hard to know exactly how long these things are going to take. And I, and 
his colleague was basically saying, I don't think impatience is a bad thing. I mean, obviously, we want these things as fast as, as possible. And I know regulatory agencies have sort of uh, allowed for an expedited timeline for approval of these drugs. So I think once once he ha- once he's far along with um, one of these candidates, uh, I think we might see these, these drugs um, enter the clinic in a, a, a rather uh, quick, quick manner. And there's there's no question that they are needed. Just reading from quoting from your from your article, uh, antibiotics used to treat the deadliest pathogens are kept as a last resort when all else fails, such as the how do you pronounce this? Carbapenems. You can just call them CREs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, gravely ill patients taking last line antibiotics can end up dead, or they can end up cured. Either way, they're not repeat customers which over a long term adds up to a negligible or negative return on investment, waiting until the market for these life-saving antibiotics reaches critical mass for profitability is a recipe for catastrophe. So this brings us into the, into the uh, issue of making money. Uh, and the objective for pharmaceutical firms is obviously to be profitable, which many of them are. Where does the profit factor fit into this, this whole picture of how dirt could save humanity from an infectious apocalypse? Yeah, I think that the 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 return on investment is sort of ma- mismatched with the societal and the, the medical value that these drugs have. Um, so I think that a lot of people are trying to think of new incentives. Obviously, people like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are, are trying to support this as a, a philanthropic endeavor. And I think I think um, more recently, uh, pharmaceutical firms uh, have, you know, started to express interest again in the antibiotic antimicrobial sector. I mean, I think as I was I was reporting this story, you know, I think people, in, in within the last year and even within the last six months, people have been saying that uh, pharmaceutical firms are sort of coming around to the idea that. Um, even if there isn't any money to be made, perhaps there is like some value in 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 finding these drugs and marketing them as as um, you know sort of a philanthropic yeah. um, endeavor. endeavor. Yeah, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, fascinating. It's a great yeah. article, Peter Andre Smith, how dirt could save humanity from an infectious apocalypse in Wired magazine. We'll talk again. Thanks, Peter. Yeah, thanks again for having me. It's the Roy Green Show on the Chorus Radio Network. And when we come back, they are back. Catherine Swift, workingcanadians.ca, Michelle Simpson, former Liberal Member of Parliament, and Linda Leatherdale, former money editor for the Toronto Sun, now Vice President of Cambria, Canada. Got some issues to talk to the beauties about. Stick around.